celebrating the sounds of Memphis for 21 years, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation. AutoZone, parts are just part of what we do. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Covens. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we have a great program in store for our listeners as we head deep into the Mississippi Delta to catch a set from bluesman Bill Abel in Greenville, Mississippi, and it's at the Mighty Mississippi Music Fest. Bill Street Caravan contributor Preston Lauterbach will be back with us to continue his series, The Chitlin Circuit and the Road to Rock and Roll. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, Kevin. So this week, the Bill Street Caravan Recording Van is pulling up beside the stage at the Mighty Mississippi Music Fest in Greenville, Mississippi. The festival is a huge part of Bridging the Blues, a two-week-long celebration of the music and culture of the Memphis and Delta region. If you've caught any of Bridging the Blues, or honestly, if you spend any time in the region, if you've gone to any festivals or juke joints, chances are you've heard or met Belzoni, Mississippi native Bill Abel. Bill Abel's music and art are products of the Mississippi Delta through and through. That's right. I said art because Bill is a renowned painter as well. Growing up in this music-rich part of the country has had a profound effect on Bill. And when he was just a teenager, he was able to befriend many older first-generation bluesmen in Belzoni, and they taught him how to play country blues. This led to stints accompanying blues legends like Paul Wine Jones, T-Model Ford, Big George Brock, and Cadillac John Nolden. And that's no small feat. Country blues are a very difficult style to master. Take it from me. I'm a hack guitar player, and I've been trying to crack the code for most of my life. The style may sound simple, but it's not. The space between the notes is everything. And as Bill alludes later in the program, making a mistake on stage with any of the aforementioned gentlemen is never a good idea. (laughs) Obviously, Bill persevered, and these days, he's one of the most authentic around. Definitely one of my favorite players in the world. Bill performs solo, he performs in a one-man band, and he still plays acoustically with Cadillac John, as our listeners heard earlier this season. But this week, we've got him with a full band. They're plugged in and electrified. Stick around after the break today because Pat had a chance to sit down and talk with Bill. Well, let's check it out. Here's Bill Abel live on Bill Street Caravan.
You're listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Here's more from Belzoni, Mississippi native Bill Abel, live on Bill Street Caravan. Hope y'all enjoyed it. We happy to be here. I'd like to thank uh, Billy Johnson, Randy McGee, and all the volunteers having us here today. We're gonna try to boogie, so we hope y'all want to boogie here on Sunday afternoon with us. We're gonna try.
That was Bill Abel in a set captured during Bridging the Blues, live on Bill Street Caravan. We'll be back with more music from Bill in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to turn it over to Bill Street Caravan contributor Preston Lauterbach as he explores the fascinating subject of his book, The Chitlin Circuit and the Road to Rock and Roll. It was Christmas night, 1954, backstage at the Houston City Auditorium, about 11 o'clock. Big Mama Thornton was in the dressing room. She was looking at Johnny Ace. He had his girlfriend on his lap, a goofy grin on his face, and a silver snub-nosed 22 caliber pistol pointed at his temple. In the split second between Johnny pulling the trigger and his body hitting the floor, Big Mama saw his hair stand up straight. It had been barely two years since Johnny rocketed from being a Beale Street bum to a star. His end was every bit as sudden as his rise. It may have been just as accidental, too. Or was it? No tears, no sorrow Cling to me with all your mind And never let me go That's Johnny Ace doing Never Let Me Go. He was born John Alexander, Jr., June 9, 1929, one of 10 children who grew up in South Memphis in a small home on Fisher Alley. Teenage Johnny and his pals gravitated to Beale Street, where they hung around Sunbeam Mitchell's club, listening to the hot sounds pour out and seeing all the musicians in their sharp suits. Johnny had enjoyed fooling around on a neighbor's piano, and when he got enough age to go inside Sunbeam's, he found plenty of pickup gigs with the many bands Sunbeam sent out on the road. On a given night, Johnny might find himself in B.B. King's band or playing behind Joe Hill Lewis. By 1952, Johnny was accompanying these guys on their broadcasts over Memphis's black-formatted radio station, WDIA. He and B.B., Roscoe Gordon, Earl Forrest, and Bobby Bland would get on the air and publicize their gigs. WDIA program director Dave Mattis recognized their talent and started a new record company, Duke Records, to capture their sound. Johnny came to the WDIA studio in May 1952 to back his buddy Bobby Bland's recording session. But Bland hadn't learned his lyrics, and the piano sounded pretty good screwing around with Ruth Brown's hit, So Long. Dave Mattis decided to record Johnny on the spot. Needing a snazzy name to print on the label, Mattis renamed John Alexander Jr. Johnny Ace. So Long became my song, and Johnny's fate left his own hands. That's my song, recorded by Johnny Ace and the Beale Streeters at WDIA in May of 1952. Houston, Texas kingpin Don Roby, president of Peacock Records and a Chitlin Circuit power since the mid-30s, reached out to Mattis, a rookie in the record business, and offered a partnership. 
Mattis was a white man who prided himself on his progressive racial views. He jumped at the chance to work with a black entrepreneur of such stature. But Mattis was completely out of his league. Roby more than made good on his promise to push Johnny Ace's My Song. He and his Memphis partner Sunbeam Mitchell, who knew Johnny well, booked Johnny Ace into his first gig as a headliner August 23, 1952 at the Hippodrome on Beale Street. The opener that night was the young singer who had indirectly helped Johnny become a recording artist, Bobby Bland. Though the Hippodrome was just a few blocks from the club Johnny had started his career in as an anonymous piano player, he had already come a long way. My song was flying up the Billboard Rhythm and Blues chart and hit number one just a month later. Dave Mattis, who put Johnny on record in the first place, hadn't received any proceeds from his partner Don Roby. So Mattis traveled to Houston to confront Roby, but was met with a pistol and a $10,000 buyout. Don Roby became sole owner and president of Duke Records in 1952. By this time, Johnny Ace had become the most lucrative touring attraction for Roby's Buffalo booking agency. In 1953, Johnny was teamed up on the road with Big Mama Thornton. He had another number one hit that summer with The Clock, while Big Mama challenged Johnny on the charts with the original recording of Hound Dog. Roby's partner Evelyn Johnson ran the Buffalo booking agency, shrewdly using it to boost record sales and also to elevate new artists. If promoters wanted to book the Johnny Ace Big Mama Thornton package, they also had to showcase a lesser-known act, like Little Richard and the Upsetters, who tagged along Johnny Ace's coattails across the Chitlin circuit throughout 1954. But while Johnny's gate receipts piled up, his record sales slowed. The stress of the road wore on Johnny. He drank heavily and bought a pistol at a pawn shop. He'd shoot at road signs and started what he called his good luck ritual, pointing the unloaded gun at himself and snapping the trigger. December 25, 1954, Duke Records released the latest Johnny Ace number, a heart-wrencher called Pledging My Love. That night, the Johnny Ace Big Mama Thornton Review played their boss Don Roby's home base at Houston City Auditorium. Between sets, the stars downed vodka backstage with friends. Johnny broke out the pistol. He pointed it at his head like they'd all seen him do many times before. This time, the gun was loaded. Johnny's body crashed to the floor. He still had that smirk on his face. Though Johnny was a heavy drinker who constantly toyed with his gun, rumor had it that Don Roby had orchestrated his death. Either way, there's no denying Roby profited handsomely from the death of Johnny Ace. Not only did Pledging My Love become a huge hit, it crossed over to the white market. Much as Johnny had done on the Chitlin circuit, he carried other black artists over with him as songs like Little Richard's Tutti Fruity hit the mainstream. Though Johnny is referred to as rock and roll's first casualty, his real legacy and that of his boss, Don Roby, was best explained by Billboard almost a year after he died. In an article titled, The Year R&B Took Over the Pop Field, the magazine noted, Spinwise, the pace setter is the late Johnny Ace, whose Duke recordings continue to sell. We're going out with the crossover hit that brought black rhythm and blues into the white mainstream, changing American popular music forever, pledging my love. My heart's at your command. 
keep loving to hold Making you happy is my desire to Keeping you is my goal I'll forever love you For Beale Street Caravan, this is Preston Lauterbach, author of The Chitlin Circuit and The Road to Rock and Roll. We want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. You can also keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We have to take a quick break for local announcements, but stick around. There's a lot more music to come. You're listening to The Sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you just tuning in, we're deep in the Mississippi Delta with one of the true masters of the country blues, Bill Abel. Today's set was captured at the Mighty Mississippi Music Festival in Greenville, Mississippi, during Bridging the Blues. For music lovers, there's no better time to come to Memphis and the Mississippi Delta than early October during Bridging the Blues. The summer heat is broken. The mosquitoes have finally headed off into hibernation. Do mosquitoes hibernate? I don't know, but they sure don't come out. (laughs) There are cool breezes blowing over the levees, and celebration is in the air. Festivals literally dot the map. So many festivals and events that we advise you to head over to bridgingtheblues.com, where they have maps and itineraries, and you can sort through all the events yourself and pick and choose what you want to do. It's genius. The whole Bridging the Blues concept is genius to me. So before we get back to the music, we're going to hear from the man of the hour himself. He's a true Mississippi Delta artist, and I say artist quite literally. Not only is Bill a local music treasure, but he's an accomplished painter and potter as well. His appreciation for the raw energy and authenticity of Delta life runs through all of his artwork. Pat had the chance to sit down backstage with Bill and talk life and music. Here's what he had to say. First of all, tell me your hometown. My hometown is uh, Belzona. It's... uh... I think slap dab in the middle of the Delta. I mean, it's between Clarksdale and Jackson. Where did you go to hear music? Oh, you mean now? Where did I uh-huh. go now? Uh, well, I live in uh, Duncan now. I've been there in that area for 16 years. Okay. And uh, 
I go I go to Clarksdale as well. I'm only like 15 minutes south of Clarksdale. Okay. And growing up, where where would you go? Uh, we would go to the the Mississippi Delta Blues and Heritage Festival. It okay. started in like '75 or something like that. And uh, I can remember in like '81, like I got to see uh, a bunch of people: uh, Sam Chapman and and uh, Eugene Powell, Johnny Shines, Albert King. I remember. Uh, watching Albert King, he went on after Stevie Ray Vaughan played, and uh, Stevie played. That was before he hit it big, and uh -huh. people were there to hear Stevie, and everybody left, and it was only a few of us watching Albert King. Wow, really? But, yeah. And he blew everybody away, of course. He did, man. <laughs> yeah. Both of them did, you know. In, in thinking back. What is that first moment where you remember hearing blues music? Uh, probably on the radio. We used to listen to Dr. Bill Ferris. He did a public radio show for a number of years, and it, blues came on every day on public radio at 5 o'clock, and it stayed on radio until 5 to 10. And he would also educate the public about blues, different types of blues. And so. Uh, it was there every day to listen to. Later on, as a teenager, I met some guys that played in Belzona. You know. What was that moment that the bug bit you, that you thought, I, I, I've got to do this? Oh, I, I, uh, in those teenage years, you know, there's a funny story. We were at the Blues Festival one year and uh, my friend and I were playing with some older African-American gentlemen that were just uh, local guys. And we were playing in the parking lot before the Greenville Blues Festival started and a guy walked up with a mic on a long stick and we were coming through the sound system. And this was right before the festival started, like at noon, you know? Yeah. So we're jamming out in the parking lot and playing through the sound system. and. Uh, we just loved it, man, and we would play with the, uh, who we could, and uh, and that was kind of the beginning, I guess. Who have been your mentors over the years that, that you feel really had an impact on your career and your playing? Well, uh, I used to play with Paul Jones a lot in the 80s and early 80s. In '90s, and up till he died, 2005, and his friends, and uh, played with a guy named W. H. Lowe and Tommy Hollis. They're also gone, and uh, they helped me a lot with my rhythm. And then I played with David Lee Durham in a band format, and uh, and he's gone. And uh, and then playing with Cadillac John Nolan, played and toured with T Model some and uh, there's no excuse I guess now I still come up with them yeah. no. <laughs> who are the artists that, that, that you've been looking at and excited about what they're going to do for the next generation I'd say like Cedric Burnside and, and uh, Punta Ayers all, all the Kimbros and Burnsides you know are, yeah. is doing a great job you know 
and everybody loves playing the music, you know, here, yeah. and uh, so that's why they do it. And uh, it's not, you know, there's no fame and money in it. So. You're doing festivals. Do you have any plans to record coming up? Kenny Brown and I are talking about doing something together mm -hmm. this winter, and uh, we'll hopefully do a new record. I, I did a record last year, and. Uh, as a musician, don't have any money to promote your record, so it just kind of sits on the shelf, but you gotta record it anyway. But it's funny thing about, you if you play country blues, you your fingers get a little faster, and you can move around a little more, and you, you uh, gotta go with where it takes you instead of staying where you were, uh, and still stay in the blues. So are you touring outside of the um, region down here? Not uh, some, a little. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I was uh, above the Arctic Circle in uh, Norway and at a festival, and uh, they had been indoors all winter, so yeah. they were really happy to be getting out because their winters are like eight months long, you know. And so you couldn't tell if they were like fired up at the music or fired up from just being out, getting, <laughs> being able to get out of the house. So. You provided the soundtrack to their coming out party yes. for the new new season. Yeah. <laughs> if someone wants to find out what you're up to, your Facebook page. Yeah, Bill Abel Facebook, and uh, I have a Reverb Nation site I list uh, shows on as well. Okay. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming by and hanging out with us. We're going to get some more music from you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank you, Pat. Thanks. Here's more from bluesman Bill Abel, live on Bill Street Caravan.
You're listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Here's more from bluesman Bill Abel. 
live on Bill Street Caravan.
That was Bill Abel live on Bill Street Caravan. A couple of years back, No Depression Magazine called Bill the Mississippi Delta's best-kept secret. I think there's some truth to that, Pat. Well, that's right, because to find out about Bill, well, it's not easy. He doesn't have a website. You can find him on Facebook, and if you ask him about it, he says, oh, yeah, I do that sometimes. He's actually got two pages, one for his music and one for his painting and poetry. Maybe he's trying to be a secret. That's true. But next time you find yourself in the region, ask around. I bet you can catch Bill live. And for more info on Bridging the Blues, head over to bridgingtheblues.com. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Arts Memphis, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Tennessee Tourism, and Bridging the Blues for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You're just not going to find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners that you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag IListenToMemphis. Or keep up with us on our podcast at iTunes. Visit our website at BillStreetCaravan.com to sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can find out where the caravan's going to be next. And if you can't meet us there, we'll be back right here next week, so we'll see you then. I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. (laughs) 